Cool. What's up, you guys? I'm Emily Duncan, better known on the internet as M Dunk. I am a business owner, so I own a health and wellness coaching company called Phoenix Athletica, and I've also been a content creator in the online space for close to a decade now. So in short, I am someone that exists on the internet and has built a business off of doing so. So that's my my brief intro. There's obviously more to us as people than any intro could ever give us. But yeah, I, I exist in a a very weird space where Chris and I were actually talking about this the other night, where pretty much the entirety of my professional career has existed through social media. You know, I didn't start out in you know, I spent time in sport performance, working in gyms, working in athletic performance centers, stuff like that. But even then, the majority of my just professional life has been through social media and content creation and the online space. So that's something that I don't think a lot of people, even people that have gotten into social media, you know, later in their life have that perspective of. And so, yeah, I exist on the Internet and do stuff. Yeah, that that's fine. I feel like most people have digital <laughs> selves, physical selves. Yours is just a little yeah. Towards, like the digital side or at least like yeah the the public facing persona of mm-hmm. right obviously yeah. I knew you in person and i i feel like i knew you in person before mm-hmm. i knew you online which maybe that was pretty backwards compared to how yeah people and i love that that's yeah. my favorite way to meet people like because of that like flipped perspective it's like no i actually adore when people have no idea who m dunk is and they just meet me as emily that's my favorite thing yeah, well, part of that too, I would imagine like a lot of people that you're just meeting, they have probably been following you for a while. They have mm-hmm. been seeing your posts. They probably know more about your life than even you do. Like they've, mm-hmm. they're up to date on like the end dunk gossip. And then right. they, and they're like, wow, like you're nothing like what I expected. Or they're like, you're so different than you are online or than what I was like, what I was expecting. That's probably like such a fucking weird thing to like have to deal with all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, even though you're not necessarily different, I feel like people just come into that, that first like physical interaction with just this completely separate persona that they've dreamed up in their head of someone and mm-hmm. it's, like you're never going to be able to live up to that you're never never going to be able to meet that because you don't even know what the fuck that person is mm-hmm. and everyone just like in some way or another has that expectation shattered and then you always kind of have to be like well yeah like this is just who i am i don't know like what you were thinking i was or mm-hmm. like who you expected me to be I feel like for myself, like that's something that I can probably semi-relate to, but obviously not to the scope and the depth that you've obviously had to deal with that. But kind of just coming back to my own like interactions with you and the way that I met you, I am someone who is not what I would consider to be like social media savvy in the sense of like I don't spend hours of my day on social media. I, I don't mm-hmm. follow influencers. Like I'm not up to date on like the latest gossip. That's That's never been me. So whenever we first met, like I knew of you, like I'd heard your name before, Mm -hmm. but I I couldn't have told you anything other than like, oh yeah, Emily Duncan is a human being. (laughs) Which is very accurate. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's accurate. So then whenever we met, I was like, cool, like, you know, I'm not coming into this with any expectations, with any like, you know, preconceived notions of who this person is. I, I know nothing. So I was able to kind of build up that idea of you just based off of your physical presence. Mm -hmm. And then started following you and started seeing like how you interact on social media. And I was able to kind of connect those dots almost backwards. Yeah. People do. But then the more that I know you, the more that I've gotten to know you, the more that I kind of see how like the social media side, it kind of in a lot of ways is like your main persona that you have to play up to, Mm -hmm. which is weird. Yeah. You think about it. So like, 
I guess, how did you actually start turning into M-Dunk, I guess? Like, when did that transition? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, how did when that did happen? When did the metamorphosis begin? Well, yeah. Like, how did that happen? Because, like, I'm always so curious about, um, I guess, people's, like, rise to popularity whenever this mm-hmm. social media. Because yeah. it's so it's so new and novel still. Yeah. So I'm always very curious as, like, how that actually happens. Like, was it someone randomly like posted you and then got a lot of followers was it just like this accumulation of like i'm consistently posting and people like me and i interact like how did that happen yeah so it's funny it's i always joke that i became a content creator slash influencer on accident because i started doing things you know now people get into social media and they're like i want to be an influencer i want to be a content creator i want to do this i want to do that and i'm like oh that's so weird to me because that's not how i did things So I Instagram kind of came about when I was in late high school. And at the time, I was just using it like any late high school or what, you know, you're posting about what you're doing. If you're going to a football game, you're posting about the football game. If you're baking cookies with your friends, you're posting about that. And so when I graduated high school, I got into lifting my junior year of high school, but then really into it my senior year of high school and then much more into it my freshman year of college. So when I went off to college, I was in a not so healthy relationship at the time where I, you know, he didn't want me going out, didn't want me making friends. And I was much less of the kind of strong and independent individual that I am now. So I just kind of listened to that. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't really know what to do with my time. So I like this lifting thing. I'm going to, you know, go to the gym. I would watch Lane Norton videos in my free time, all of that stuff. But because that was what I was doing, that's what I started posting about. And so I've always been someone that I connect very heavily to writing. And this was, you know, back in the day in like 2013, when people actually wrote the read the things you wrote on Instagram, like you could write captions and people actually read them like, go figure. Uh, we are not there now. Um, but I was just sharing about what I was doing. So I was learning about fitness and nutrition. I was studying dietetics at the time before I switched to exercise science. So I just shared what I was doing. And it was at a very opportune time because like I said, like late 2013 and then into 2014, that was when fitness social media was like starting to grow. And this was, you know, I I just was organically doing it. And it just kind of happened before my eyes, if you will, of like, oh, there's there's people here. What's what's happening? What's going on? Okay, cool. And I started competing in bodybuilding in the spring of 2014 when I was 18. And I remember it was between 2014 and 2015. I went from just being like relatively normal person, like maybe a few thousand followers from my hometown, all that kind of stuff in spring of 2014 to then spring of 2015, I'd hit 100K. And back in that point in time, that was an astronomical amount of growth. And then the next year, it was the same thing, went from 100K to 200K. And so it was just a not just up because I mean, I was intentional with it. And especially once I started noticing it growing, I kept fostering it and all that stuff. So it didn't just all magically happen, but it was a combination of kind of right skill set, you know, being able to write well, you know, connecting with people through writing, all of that, the intention behind it, and then timing. So it was a combination of all of those things that it was a, it was like the golden era of social media is what I call it. Like that 2013 to 26 time, 2016 time was a great time to be on social media and to grow and to grow fairly easily if you did a few certain things right. So that's kind of like the origin story. It was just, I was a college kid that was falling in love with fitness and nutrition and started posting about it. And then a large number of people decided that they liked it. And a large number of people decided that they didn't, but more people decided that they liked it than didn't. No, yeah, we'll come back to the the people that didn't because that's really interesting. <laughs> but I do 
think that's probably better to focus on the people who did, right? Mm -hmm. So you were able to build this following. You were able to become, I guess, this professional influencer, right? Whereas Mm -hmm. for social media, that didn't mean anything. And even now, it doesn't really mean anything because people use it so much that it's become kind of like vacuous. It doesn't mean the same thing that it meant back in 2014, 2015, whenever you Mm -hmm. have the Katie Hearns of the world that were just Mm -hmm. like exploding on fitness social media. But like you said, it that was prime time. That was the mm-hmm. time to get in, the time to actually take it seriously. Because a lot of people were saying that they wanted to do this or they were trying to build a business online, but they were just kind of like fucking around. But if you took it seriously back then, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, you could get 100, 200, 300, 400, a million followers. And then now, like, you have, you know, seven, eight figure businesses all over the place mm-hmm. for people that took social media seriously back then. Mm-hmm. the algorithm is much different now than it was back then. Like you said, Oh my God, it, it was catered toward, <laughs> yeah. towards a different type of content back in 2014, 2015. People actually read the captions. People cared what you had to say. It was much mm-hmm. less competitive with TikTok, right? Where like everything now, mm-hmm. if you can't do it in five seconds, then there's no point in doing it. Just scroll on to the next thing. So like the attention span on Instagram has gotten shorter and shorter. So maybe now that's interesting to think about do you think that your your skill set would allow you to grow an audience in the same organic way now that it did back then? The same skill set? No. So just being able to write and connect with people through that? No, I yeah. don't think that would work now. You have to, I think my skill set of figuring things out and understanding how to create and wash, rinse, repeat, trying new things, trying different things, all that stuff, I think that would over time work. But the strategy of social media now versus the strategy of social media then is night and day difference. And that's actually been one of the most interesting things to watch as a content creator and also experience as a content creator is the difference in what content does well, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago versus what does well now. Like I joke, I used to be able to post a picture like if you can envision me with my phone in my hand and like a grocery bag of Trader Joe's flowers in my hand, I could take a picture from above of me holding a bag of flowers and a paper bag from Trader Joe's. It would get fucking 6,000 likes. Like, and it would, people loved it. Crowd goes wild. Now it's like you spend four hours on an infographic and it's like negative three people like it. So the strategy is just vastly different. So no, I don't necessarily think the, the same methods or the same, or even back then, you know, I was posting three times a day every day it would be like i had my morning post my afternoon post my evening post everything about the strategy the medium etc is different i think the one thing that still does really well that did really well back then and will continue to do well is connection so the way that we connect is different now the attention span that we have for connection is different now but i think one thing that will always set good content creators and great content creators apart and also the ability to monetize a platform apart is your ability to connect with people and that's something that i think i've always done really really well and the best creators that i've seen do that really really well that's that is a really interesting point too because something that i've run into myself is i i try to be very consistent with posting right like Mm -hmm. that's that's always been step one for me just because content creation and especially social media is not something I want to really be doing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know me, my personality <laughs> You're is- You're like, I have to do it. Well, you know me, like that, that's not really my personality. My personality yeah. is more like long form, like a conversation, mm-hmm. a blog post. Um, those types of things I do much better with. Whenever it comes to just like 
attention grabby stuff. I'm like, man, like I can't like that's really challenging for me to do to switch mm -hmm. my my brain into the mindset of a consumer who wants that because I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want I want things that are a little bit deeper. Um, but even as I'm looking back and thinking back, like Instagram started as a, a picture only platform. Yep. It was like a scrapbook. It, it it didn't even have video at first. And then whenever they did have video, it was like like 15 second max, right? Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. I remember trying to fit like an entire training session into 15 seconds, like for content. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's crazy to think about that because I do remember that time whenever, yeah, there were like 15 second maxes and then they expanded that to a minute. And mm -hmm. it was like, holy shit, this just opened up so much more that you can do in a minute. And then they had mm -hmm. lives and then they had like, you could say things with IGTV. So even longer mm -hmm. than a minute, you could do like, you know, 20 minute videos if you wanted to on Instagram. Now we have reels. So like the, the ability to promote yourself through content creation on Instagram has gotten so much more expansive. I think we're just focusing on Instagram because I think that that's mm -hmm. yeah. the, the primary. It is the, it's the primary platform. I And granted, obviously, TikTok is blown up, all that stuff. But Instagram is where you go to nurture a community. Yeah. Obviously, people on TikTok can become very, very popular, all that stuff. But coming back to the connection piece, there are just far more opportunities to nurture a community and actually connect with people in a deeper way on Instagram. Like we have stories, we have DMs, like we have all of those things that create those opportunities for actual relationship building versus other platforms. So even though it's like the toxic relationship that we all stay in and we hate it sometimes, I truly think it is one of the best platforms because of that element that nobody's really been able to duplicate in the same way. I would agree with that. And I've also tried to tinker with and play with various other social media platforms, whether it's mm -hmm. TikTok or you know Twitter or you know YouTube, whatever it might be. But I agree with you that Instagram seems like it's the only one that allows you to to garner that community and also interact with them in a way that feels more personal. Twitter, it's like it's very quick hitting conversation, mm -hmm. but like it, it doesn't really feel that deep. You know, TikTok doesn't feel very deep either. Um, mm -hmm. And I've never really given it too much of a chance. But, so maybe that that would be a little bit different. But um, but yeah, I agree. I think that Instagram is is pretty unique in the fact that it allows you to to build yourself up, but also kind mm -hmm. of like people along with you for that ride. And that's mm -hmm. really kind of like what that 2015 era felt like is people were putting themselves out there on the internet in a way that really hadn't been done before. Like, yeah, we had Facebook. Yeah. But Facebook wasn't like Instagram was, where people were mm -hmm. actually building up these online personas because it wasn't friends, it was followers. And I right. think that was that was a really big distinction that Instagram made was like, you don't have to know these people, but they want mm -hmm. to know you. They want to hear what you're saying. They want to see what you're doing. And it created this like influencer culture where it's like, mm -hmm. in, in my mind, I saw it back then where it almost became this like race to see like who could promote themselves further and harder. Whereas you said, like you could take a picture of flowers and get 6,000 likes. Eventually that morphed into some different type of animal where like mm -hmm. everyone was trying to become the most influential, the most like extravagant. I don't even know how to describe that. Um, but then that kind of felt like this, like very almost like put off -y type of era of Instagram. And mm -hmm. I don't, when would you even say that was, was that like 16, 17, 18? Around mm -hmm. I would definitely say around then. And I actually think that having that intention backfired on a lot of people because, mm -hmm. again, bringing it back to the connection piece, if you go into something saying, 
I want to be an influencer. I want to have influence. You're almost putting the cart before the horse because what gives someone influence and what makes someone influential is the impact that they have on people. So if you aren't focusing on the impact that you have on people and the value that you can give them, whether that's educating them on a topic, whether that's perspective that you give them about their life through sharing your own, whatever it is, you don't have any influence if you don't have impact. So if you focus just on that singular aspect or, oh, I want to get brand deals or, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. Why would a brand want to work with you? What are you doing and who are you that is so unique and so different and so special that would want a brand to work with you or that would want, you know, hundreds of of thousands of people would want to follow you. You have to focus on the actual quality thing first before the just kind of goal-oriented, outcome-oriented metric. But yeah, I would say that era, like 2016 through arguably up through like 2019, definitely was more of like the kind of look at me era for people. And a lot of people did grow in that time frame. So the, you know, the stuff was still happening. And then I think what we have now, it's it's so much more of a volume game where there's now you see tons and tons more people that have super large followings. But again, I think even still, there's people that have very large followings, but I think there's still less people that have very connected, committed followings. Like I remember I went to a brand event years ago and there was someone there that had probably double the following that I had. And this just goes to show that like numbers don't equate to money or connection. This person had twice as many followers as I did and checking into the hotel put her bank account in overdraft. So it's like you would think somebody that has, you know, half a million followers, people make the assumption, oh, because this person has tons of followers, they make tons of money. And granted, somebody like that could maybe just have, you know, poor money management skills, whatever it is. But like people think that just because somebody has followers or gets a ton of likes off the that's translating into dollars for that person. And it's not always. Some of the most successful business owners and business people on content creation platforms aren't necessarily the ones with the biggest followings, but that kind of look at me game that people played tricked consumers and followers into thinking like, oh, this person has a lot of followers. They make a lot of money. And that's not the case either. Yeah. It, it sounds very much like there's a fine line between people wanting to follow people or follow influencers and wanting to support them, but also there being like that voyeuristic aspect of mm-hmm. looking at people's extravagant lifestyles that they could never relate to and being like, I'll follow you from afar, but like you're, I can't, I don't understand you. I don't understand that lifestyle. It's cool to see you post your mm-hmm. call, your travel, your private plane, your boat, all that stuff. That's awesome. I, I like to see some of that cool stuff, but I can't relate to that. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've noticed is like what you've mentioned before is like being relatable and being personable and being able to like talk truthfully to your audience about like what makes you human. It, it does mm-hmm. round that audience that you have and allow you to, I don't want to say monetize them, but it allows you to get closer to them so that they're yeah. able to provide value in a more tangible way. So mm-hmm. I do think that there is an aspect of like being able to monetize the people that you have that follow you so that it doesn't feel grimy so that you're actually giving yeah. because there there is a transfer there whether it's whether it's addressed or whether it's silent right if you're putting content out there you are providing some value that your audience finds it worthy to follow along too mm-hmm. and on your end i would imagine that there is like a silent expectation of like all right 
like how how do I make this worth my while? I'm putting a lot of effort into maintaining this this social media, maintaining my account, maintaining my followers, nurturing them. How do I get something back from this? How do you do that without it feeling <laughs> like unethical or scummy or like you're taking advantage of people? Because that feels to me like that there are so many ways that can go wrong to where you mm-hmm. can really like put off your entire following and mm-hmm. lose them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is something that like, not to chew my own horn, but I do think this is something that I've done very well or made a conscious effort to do very well over the last 10 years is the ethics of what I'm promoting. And that started early on because I started as an influencer before I was a business owner, but I made the commitment to myself and then also to my community, you know, hey, I would never promote something that I had not paid for at least once myself before. So like if a company reached out to me and was like, hey, we would love you to promote our products. Let us send you some for free. If I was interested in working with them, I would be like, hey, I want to try these on my own first. I'm not going to promote these to anybody until I try them myself and can actually confidently say, honestly say that I like these things and that I use these things. And that's something that I stuck with very, very passionately over the last 10 years. And then when it comes to just even my own products and services, I'm like, I mean, obviously we're all biased towards our own products and services, right? But like, would I actually pay this money for this thing? You know, would I actually want this service? Would I want this thing, et cetera? But I think for just content creators in general, it it comes down to a level of personal integrity of, hey, yeah, I can because there were definitely opportunities that I could have made fuck tons more money if I had said yes to something that wasn't actually in alignment with me, my brand, you know, my message, et cetera. But in the long and that's the short game, right? But in the long run, because consumers, while not always the most intelligent at times, I'm a dumb consumer sometimes, but in general, when it comes to like reading the room, consumers are generally pretty smart. And especially if they followed someone closely for a long time, they can tell when a partnership, when a brand deal, whatever, is very, it, it feels jarring when you see somebody post like an ad or whatever. And it's like, wait, you for one, never one talked about this thing ever in your entire life to this maybe is even like contradictory to some of the things that you said or expressed before. But like people pick up on that. People pick up on inauthenticity really, really quickly. So while it could make you, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, however much that brand deal is worth, you know, in the immediate, it actually dilutes your brand, your personal brand, because that's what all content creators and influencers are. You are a personal brand. So like now I'm a personal brand and have like an actual brand. But when you dilute that, when you water that down, when you muddy that, you actually cheapen it in the long run because what you're doing is breaking trust. The way to ensure long-term success in content creation and being an influencer and being a business owner is to build and maintain trust. And so anything that you're doing that breaks that cheapens that and kind of lessens your lifespan over time. So I would say that's how I did it. It was just having a, a strong sense of integrity with what I was and wasn't willing to promote. And I, I do think that that is incredibly important to reiterate the fact that you mentioned, you know, trust your brand. It's something that you build up over time. It's something that people mm-hmm. come to associate with you. And it takes a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of energy mm-hmm. to get to the point where you can't even think about monetizing something. Mm-hmm. But it only takes one fuck up to literally lose all of that. Yeah. Literally one thing. If you say one thing wrong, if you promote the wrong product, if you have the wrong people that come after you, 
for promoting mm-hmm. the wrong product or saying the wrong thing. Your your reputation, your brand is is pretty much done. And mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen this multiple times. I mean, I don't. We probably don't even have to say names. Multiple times <laughs> where people. Are, so I, actually, a really good example of this is I, I saw yesterday a video of the Liver King. Oh boy, yeah, that was definitely <laughs> not so a good like, look. I had forgotten all about this dude, right? Same. But I saw a video of him and I mean, he looks horrible right now, like absolutely terrible, like not good, Um, which was sad. But at the same time, I was thinking about it. I was like, man, that dude was living life a year ago, top of the world, millions Mm -hmm. of followers, personal brand that like, you know, most people could say, all right, you know, fuck this guy. Most people in the know, but kind of going back to the first a lot of consumers wanted to believe in it. So like, if you can believe in this myth, then sometimes that overrides your rationality whenever it comes to making decisions or purchases. So this mm-hmm. dude was a millionaire and now he's a nobody and no one takes him seriously. No one takes his brand seriously. No one purchases from him. No one will trust him ever again because mm-hmm. essentially one thing, one thing, but he really fucked up. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good example. And honestly, like a cautionary lesson for everyone else who is trying to do the same thing, trying to build a business, trying to monetize any influence that you might have. It's like, it is such a fine line to walk between doing it in a way that is like ethical and Mm -hmm. making one mistake that starts to push into that unethical land. And then Mm -hmm. you just get consumed. You just get absolutely consumed. And then all of the work that you put in, no matter how ethical it was, it, it, none of it matters anymore because people only remember that last mistake that you made. And that's all they'll mm-hmm. ever see with you. And I, I'm, I don't know how much you've talked to, to Chris about some of these things, but like, I'm someone who has very much always been against like doing anything that feels even the slightest bit against or an antithetical to like what I believe or like yeah. how, how I view things. I'm very, very much like, fuck that. No, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. I've more recently started to come around to like various things, right? It's like, okay, look, I get, I can be a little bit more flexible whenever it comes to like advertising or, you know, Mm -hmm. but paid ads, right? Paid ads is a good example, right? That's something that you can do it in a a tactful way that doesn't feel slimy. Mm -hmm. But like what you said, if you spam people with paid ads, whenever you've built an entire reputation on doing everything organically word of mouth all of a sudden you're doing something that is counter to what you've been preaching and it feels mm-hmm. like you're fake right you're, you're only out to like get people's money so mm-hmm. then it makes you question everything else that you've you've told them in the past and like i i highly respect people that have been able to build online communities or monetize their audience or build a brand or business in a way that like I would consider to be like very ethical and without mm-hmm. compromising at any point during that process, because I understand not the way that you understand, but I understand how tempting it is to say yes, to like easy money. Yeah. Like, especially whenever you're someone who has never been around that type of money or the, those opportunities mm-hmm. before, it's so, so fucking hard whenever someone's like, Hey, I'll give you this, you know, six figure contract to promote mm-hmm. my product. Most people would say yes to that. Like yeah. I struggle to say no to that, no matter what it was. Like I don't even know what the mm-hmm. fuck it's anything. Oh yeah, that reptile brain just kicks in. It's like, yeah. uh, yeah, of course I'll do this thing. Sure. Like But again, it's like it's it's sacrificing the long term for mm-hmm. like, short term gratification, the the short term payoff of something, but not really thinking about like what damage this could potentially do if it turns out to be a bad thing, if it turns out to be a, a fake product, if it turns out to be like 
a company run by Liver King, right? So right. again, like associations are also super important as well, especially with what you're doing, which maybe that's a question I want to ask you right now. So I'm going to yeah. ask you right now. Yeah. Like how important have associations been with you growing your audience and how important has it been to make sure that your associations are healthy rather than mm -hmm. potentially getting in with the wrong people? Yeah. Yeah. So this is a really interesting question because it's funny, like I, I cognitively know that I have associations now, but it's like those associations are more just like my friends now because we've grown up in this together. Like I would even include you in those people. Like we've come up in this thing together and it's like, oh, we're like colleagues and also friends now. Like, cool. Back in especially I would say like 2015, 2016, YouTube era, a lot of us growing on YouTube at the same time, like collaborations, doing collab videos, like sharing each other stuff, all that stuff was a, a really important factor for growth back then. I don't know because I'm a little more disconnected from the actual like influencer side of things now, like how much people are collabing and doing stuff like that and the impact that it has. Um, but it has a massive impact on brand image. And it, it's tough, right? Because as a content creator, as somebody that has a lot of people that don't like me for their own personal reasons that are not necessarily accurate representations of me. There's on one hand, like the, yeah, you do have to be cautious about who you associate yourself with. And on the other hand, there's also a deep empathy of what if that's not who that person actually is? Because I know what it's like to be painted in a way that's not who I actually am or is not actually true. Um, but it, it all kind of comes back to the same thing of for me, a big value of mine is authenticity in how I create content, who I associate with, whether that's in my professional life or my personal life. And so asking myself the question of whether it's a brand partnership or it's just a, a friend that I make through social media, does this actually, does this relationship feel authentic to me? So like if it's a company approaching me to work with them, try their product, et cetera, like one of the partners for my podcast is Element. Very authentic, very naturally aligned partnership because it's like, yo, I use your product. I love your product. It very naturally integrates into my day. Absolutely. Hell yes. But if somebody's going to come to me with, you know, like a, an underwater basket weaving kit, I'm like, not really my like target market, target audience. Like, so same thing. It would feel really, really jarring. But as far as just like associations and relationships, it is something that as much as you want to be able to say like, oh, kumbaya, just be friends with whoever you want to be friends with, like all that. And I do do that. I have also seen, you know, the repercussions of people literally sending me messages or putting in question boxes. Why are you friends with XYZ person? They did this or said this. And that's a very weird thing to navigate. Like if you're listening to this and, and you've never and like you're not in a like content creator, or influencer or business owner type position in this way, just think about how weird it would be if somebody came up to you on the street and was just like, hands you a microphone is like, why are you friends with this person? They did this. Like, da, da, da. it's just a weird thing. Um, so it it matters and it's important and it's strange. So there's not really a perfect answer for that because it's something that I still don't fully understand because even though I am like in this position, whatever that position is, I'm a very like keep to myself, mind my own business, do my thing kind of person. So even though I've been doing this for a decade, it's still at times like, oh, people care about that. Weird. Yeah, no, and I I think I've, I've maybe passively been an observer to some of these things in the past where like mm -hmm. there are 
like you said, there there are tangible associations that mm-hmm. you can have through social media and through business ownership, through influencing, whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they don't even have to be friendships, but you can be related to people mm-hmm. through the digital world. Yeah. And if you're related strongly to someone who does something bad or things come out about them that are less than savory, like you could also be dragged out, like your reputation, your brand could kind of get dragged through the mud. Yeah. And, you know, for, for myself as a business owner, I understand that because whenever you, let's say if you go into a partnership with someone, you have to be very cognizant of their brand and their public persona, mm-hmm. things that they're going to do. Like, are these people that own this company, are they a liability? Mm-hmm. Do I have to worry about them saying or doing the wrong things that will potentially smear my company, even though I wasn't involved with that at all? And that's mm-hmm. something that not a lot of people really have to think about in their daily lives with their friends, because yeah. you can almost always keep a friend at arm's distance in terms of like their actions and being able to, to condemn your friend's actions. If your mm-hmm. friend cheats on their spouse, you can be like, well, I don't agree with that. They're my friend, but I didn't do it. But if you're in business with a company that commits fraud, all yeah. of a sudden people are looking at you like, well, what the fuck have you been doing? Like mm-hmm. you publicly tied your brand to that brand and now they're going down. What are you going to mm-hmm. do? Right. And, you know, that's that's a really sticky situation whenever you have so many things tied up into your public persona. And mm-hmm. like, like just speaking candidly, like I would be very, very cautious if I were in your position of associating with like anyone to, <laughs> to the degree that like, like people could see that online and say, oh, like Emily is in that friend group or em- Emily, yeah. like she supports this or she is closely tied to this company or or that and mm-hmm. whatever. Like I'd be very, very, very cautious about literally everything that I did. And that's not even getting into the fact that like, you know, people already like to grill you and like go through your life with a fine tooth comb, uh, yeah. which we can talk about next. But like, I, I don't even understand how you can make decisions. I feel like I would be paralyzed from, well, it's made, yeah. Like from, yeah, it, thing. Oh yeah. It makes you want to be like even more of a hermit, right? Yeah. It's like, I'm just going to like go off and like hide in the mountains and not talk to anyone. And it's funny, like not funny. It's very frustrating. Um, but it also frustrating, but also has forced me to be more strong and resolute and all of that, like in my beliefs, my values, et cetera, what I will and won't associate with. But it's like, Oh, people will go so far as to be like, oh, this person that you know, for example, like this is a classic example, like so-and-so that you know and have associated with in the past, you know, they have supported Trump or whatever. So because they believe that and because they are outspoken about that, you must be a Trump supporter too. But I have never once said that. Like, Like I've never once said one way or the other. And that's just like one example. But people are so ready to and willing to kind of copy paste your associations onto you and and to assume that if you are associated in any way, then you think the exact same way or you believe the exact same way or you behave the exact same way or whatever. So that part of things makes associating challenging. And then there's also the flip side of where I've definitely experienced kind of, and this is like, oh, what was me? But like fear around making connections because, oh, is someone going to use me? Because I've definitely experienced that where I've had people ask my friends 
to hang out with them when they're hanging out with me. Not trying to talk to me directly, not trying to do this, trying to do that, but just trying to get to me through other people or get to me through my friends and through my loved ones. And it makes forming genuine connections really challenging at times because there is kind of like you mentioned before, you're like, you know, just being out in public and somebody being like, oh, my God, you know, you're M Dunk. I followed you for X amount of time, blah, 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 blah. It automatically shifts the dynamic in a way where on my end, I'm like, ooh, I don't get to show up as the human Emily right now. I have to be M Dunk right now. because and, and those two people are the same person, right? But it just creates a different narrative when it's like, oh, I've built you up to be this person in my mind, which is also why I've tried really hard to show people my humanness online and like my struggles and all of that to remind people like, hey, I'm a person. I'm not perfect. I'm going to fuck some shit up sometimes. I'm going to have bad days sometimes. That's normal. That's okay. Um, but yeah, it has made actually genuinely connecting with people really challenging as well, especially if somebody's like had a preconceived notion of me as a person online or whatever. It And this is maybe my thing to work through because there's probably plenty, plenty of relationships and wonderful friendships that I have not pursued because I felt weird about somebody being like, oh, I follow you. Do you want to do this and do that? And I'm just like, oh, that feels strange. And I feel like I am being watched. And because it's like a two-way mirror. That's the analogy that I make with social media all the time is it's like, you can see me. I don't see you in the same way because you're watching my stuff, but I don't see or know you. So yeah, it, it does alter the way that you connect or feel like you can connect with people on both ends of kind of like the connection spectrum. That actually doesn't sound strange at all to me because there would never be a moment where I would be able to let my guard down if I was mm -hmm. in your position. Um, yeah. But I've actually thought about this before with other people, not necessarily you, but other people that I know that have large social media followings. And in my head, I've always thought about the fact, like how they know if someone is using them or not. Like, yeah. like, how would they know if someone is genuinely wanting to be their friend versus mm -hmm. if they're only wanting to be their friend so that they can get a few followers from that interaction? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, that's so shitty to even have to think about, but that's the reality of the situation that you're in. Like you said, it's yeah. a two-way mirror where everyone can see you and can see the world that you're living in, including the people that are in your world at various times. Mm -hmm. So there is uh, an incentive for people to pop into your world for even a brief period of time, because that might mean that other people will see them through that mirror. Right. And like, it's crazy to me that people think like that, but I know that a lot of people do. And again, you know, I, I could, I cannot imagine having to navigate friendships and interactions with that underlying everything, but that does have to underlie everything. Like oh, I, yeah. I couldn't blame you if you were just like this cold hearted bitch to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously though like I, I i wouldn't be able to blame you i'd be like dude i fucking get it like fuck that i would not want to have to like go around and always ask that question of everyone that i met mm -hmm. like why do you want to be friends with me bro come on be right. honest like you, right. you didn't want to be on my page you like that like that's that's shitty that can make me mm -hmm. super cynical so fast oh and it definitely has and it's funny like chris and i have had this conversation a lot because it's it's really jarring for me as somebody that is so open-hearted like I am like mama wolf energy, like, let me love you, come into my life, like all of the things. And I have learned the hard way, whether it's through social media or just the nature of human relationships that 
people are just going to fuck you over sometimes. And like, that's it. That's life. Uh, but one of the things that I started paying more and more attention to, like, as I was becoming aware of this in my life was who is willing to hang out with you if you're not posting about it. And it's a really shitty feeling when you realize like, oh, this person is really only we're only hanging out if they're posting about it. Or like as soon as you sit down to like breakfast or brunch or dinner or whatever, they're pulling out their phone and posting about it. Like it's it, it I can't describe like how icky of a feeling that is. And granted, I like to share when I'm out with my friends doing things, all that stuff. But it, it's just a different there's like a different texture to that experience when you feel like mm, if I asked them not to do this, that would upset them or make them not want to be here. And it's just a very weird, very sticky, icky feeling to have. And it definitely has. And I try not to lean into this too much. And I try to lean into more of my like natural open hearted nature. But it has kind of increased my capacity for cynicism when it comes to just humans and human interaction, most definitely. You mentioned the compulsive posting, documenting everything, everywhere that you go, every interaction that you make, every meal that you eat. Have you ever felt that pressure and like noticed it and been like, why the fuck am I doing this? I would imagine that it was probably more prevalent like a few years ago whenever, mm -hmm. like you said, you were posting three times a day. Like you felt like you've always had to be active on social media. Now it feels much less like there is that pressure to document mm -hmm. every 10 minutes of your life. But I do know that there was a period where it felt like everyone was taking pictures of every fucking meal that they ate, every set they did at the gym, they had to document it, they had to post it on their story, they had to post it on their on their social media. Like every time they hung out with someone, they had to take a selfie with them and and tag them. It was like, can people just do shit without posting it like it felt mm -hmm. very for me forced because i'm like that's not like me i just want to be able to do shit and not have to think about this i'm sure for some people it was just second nature like what you were alluding to it's like they don't even think about it they just do it at that point did you ever get to that point and then like catch yourself and be like what the fuck am i doing well it's interesting how it happened for me it didn't happen in that exact way but around end of 2016 into 2017 and then throughout 2018 i developed a really weird mystery chronic illness that got better when i had my breast implants taken out but over that period of time i gained a lot of weight i was going through a very depressive episode i was physically exhausted i did not i felt sick for a solid two years straight so I went from being on top of the fucking world, having the best competitive career of my life. My business was growing. My social media was growing. This, that, the other thing where the chips were pretty fucking up. So when the chips are up, it's like, yeah, I want to share everything. Look at my life, like all this stuff. Then my life started falling apart. I was falling apart internally, externally, mentally, physically, emotionally, all these things. And I was like, I don't have the capacity to do this. I need to fucking bring it in a little bit, take care of myself and figure out what the fuck's going on with me in my life. And then you take that, went through in 2019. I, I was in a very public relationship around 2017 through the beginning of 2019. And we went through like a six month period where our relationship was falling apart. And we went from being very public with our relationship, you know, sharing each other all the time and each other's content all the time, all this stuff. People were very invested in that relationship to kind of disappearing off of the face of the internet earth, if you will. So then pair that with, I just gone through two years of being chronically ill, 
going through this very challenging personal scenario that was also very public, people commenting about us on the third person on my posts asking, are they still together instead of like that whole thing? And it just was like a wake up call for me that entire time frame of I neither want to nor can do this like this anymore and maintain my sanity and maintain my just personal well-being because when I got into the content game I very much so was that person that shared every single aspect of their life and I enjoyed doing it at the time but you know you go through some things in life and it changes your perspective and I just realized I was like if I continue down this path I will continue to feel like a product and not a person. And that's what you start to feel like when you're just creating to put yourself out there just volume sake. Because when you think about it, if you're a personal brand, you are to a degree a product. And this becomes a very like meta conversation of how do you differentiate those two, blah, 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 blah. But it was like I said, it was just a wake up call moment for me of you are turning yourself into a commodity and you no longer you feel very dehumanized and what part of that is your responsibility and for your thing to take accountability for because you have put yourself in this position and so that was when i kind of started my working back process of hey what what are kind of my boundaries it just encouraged me to set boundaries around social media like what are my boundaries of what i want to share or even just giving myself permission to fucking take a weekend off of sharing my life like that when i lost my phone at lost lands i was like oh i had a fucking mental breakdown i was like yeah this is gonna fall apart everything's gonna fall apart i don't know what to do blah 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 blah. and then i got to the end of it and i was like this is so sad this is so sad this is not a good thing it was maybe 36 hours that i did not have a phone and i realized i was like that was the longest i've taken off of social media in a decade yeah which is insane it's By the end of it, did it feel good? Like, By the end yes. of it, yeah, yeah. I was so liberated. I was yeah. like, yeah, this is kind of annoying that I don't like have my pictures and shit. And like, I'm scared of getting lost and like not being able to find my friends. But like, oh, this is not, is this how normal people feel? It's like my dad. My dad has no social media, literally just listens to music on his phone and like reads articles. I'm like, is this how my dad feels? Just completely disconnected and, and free from everything? Like, it was great. It was nice. <laughs> It is a very weird type of pressure that mm-hmm. you feel whenever you're active or trying to build a business or be an influencer on social media. It's, it's this underlying pressure behind every action or every decision, everything that you say to almost glamorize it for like mm-hmm. social media digestibility. It's like, how mm-hmm. can I make this more productized, right? Like, how can, how can I frame this in a way that more people will find entertaining? And it's not anything that it, you think about deliberately. It's just, it's like an instinct. Whenever mm-hmm. you are doing it for long enough, it's just this pressure, almost maybe an anxiety that you, yeah. that you feel that is, it's just like forms the foundation of like almost everything that you do whenever you have your phone in your hand. Because there's always that decision of like, am I going to document this or am I not going to document this? Right. And that like at the end of the day, like that becomes like the foundational decision for every single thing that you do during the day. It's like, do I document this or do I just live my life and not worry about what I'm doing right now? Right. Well, and then also too to that, there's the flip side of it where it's like, 
if you had something, you know, that you feel was really valuable to say or that would give people a lot of great perspective or education or whatever, but it doesn't feel like it was documented well enough for social media, it didn't look good enough, it wasn't pretty enough, it wasn't aesthetic enough, whatever, you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to share it. And then you never share it. So it's both sides. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, too, because like for you, your writing, I'm sure that's something that you take a lot of, of pride in. Mm -hmm. I'm sure also you probably take a good amount of pride in like your speaking ability. Yeah. But there's also that aspect of like what you said, you almost have to like put a frame around it in a way that makes it prettier to mm -hmm. be able to post it on social media. So like the writing no longer is enough. The words that you're speaking are no longer enough. There has to be some graphic with it. There has mm -hmm. to be some music with it. There has to be mm -hmm. some editing associated with it. And that feels very much to me. It's like we're almost we're like moving away from like the the core of like what the message or the content is supposed to be. And it's like, how do we pretty this up to compete with other people that are also putting out content and messages? Like it's not the message itself that is like competing. Mm -hmm. It's almost the framing. Yeah, the presentation of it. The presentation that's competing at this point. Because I mean, like personally, I know of a lot of really, really intelligent people that have a lot of great things to say, whether it's writing or whether it's speaking. And, you know, they have a thousand followers. And I'm like, mm -hmm. man, this person is fucking intelligent. Like they really should have a lot more people that are paying attention, listening to what they have to say, but mm -hmm. they don't care enough about the presentation mm -hmm. to frame it in a way that makes it digestible to compete with other people that are also putting more attention into the framing and the presentation. For myself, I can speak first. Like, <laughs> like that is that is not that is not like how I think, right? Like, I'm very much like I want the content, I want the message to speak for itself, and I want that to kind of duel with everyone else because I feel very comfortable mm -hmm. in that space, right? Like, I feel like yeah. like what I have to say on its own can do a good enough job competing with with what other people have to say. It's the presentation that, like, you and I actually, you and I like privately talked about this from. <laughs> I struggle with that. I struggle with that side of social media, that side of content creation of like, how do we like beautify the message to make people mm -hmm. want to listen to it or want to read it? And by the time I've created something, I'm like, I don't have enough fucking bandwidth to think about that <laughs> shit. I just want to, I just want to post it. Right. Yeah. Because I put a lot more effort into, again, the content, the message. And I find that that for me means more. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, that's not what gets views. That's not what gets interactions. That's not what gets you more followers. That's not what gets you more money in a lot of cases either. Mm -hmm. Going back to like the monetization, like, that's something I've always struggled with. And I feel like you, again, you, you've done a good job with being able to balance that because I feel like you came from the background of like putting more emphasis on the message and on the writing and like cultivating those skill sets before you focus so much on like the professional influencing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have tried to do it almost backwards where they're like, mm -hmm. they're trying to like alchemize this, this deeper content, this deeper message, whenever they got famous by posting ass pictures, it's like, <laughs> that's it's difficult to make right. your followers think that you're some like fucking Socrates level philosopher right. whenever they only started following you for your butt cheeks. You know what I mean? Like, right. like <laughs> don't need to post some like super deep caption, right? Where, the people are there for one specific reason, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's me being kind of like surface level, but I, I do think that there is something to say about like, like what built you your your content? What built you your brand 
to begin with, right? If it, if it was mm-hmm. something that's a little bit more sturdy than ass pictures, you know, maybe that allows you to morph into that, you know, framing that beautifying mm-hmm. aspect on, on top of the content. Yeah. But if you're, you know, building a brand on stilts, it's really hard to then go back and say, actually, guys, I'm really deep. I promise you. I promise, like, there's mm-hmm. more than just my butt cheeks. Like, that feels very challenging to do retroactively. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I joke sometimes. I'm like, man, sometimes I wish I would have built this thing on just more of the superficial stuff than like the deep stuff because then people expect that from you and they're exactly, like, oh yeah. my God, I'm like crucifying myself every day. Um, but no, I'm, I'm very grateful for the way that I've done things. It feels very good. Um, I do think it's more difficult to go in the reverse and to build that relationship, that depthful relationship when you started on superficiality. And I am very pro anybody sharing themselves, their body, whatever, the way they want to do it. Like get your bag however you get your bag. I do not give a fuck. But I do think it is harder to do it in reverse. And when it comes to just the general aspect of kind of making things more shiny, if we want to put it in like that term for social media, you do have to get to a place. And this is something that I I still grapple with, you know, because I know there's things that I could be doing that would get me more views or get me more likes or this, that, the other thing. And you kind of talked about it too. Like this doesn't feel within like my thing that I want to do, but Every content creator, influencer, business owner, whatever, if you're in this social media space, there comes a point where you have to decide how much you are willing to quote unquote play the game. And we all know what we're talking about when we say play the game, because there is a game being played. It is human psychology. People are going to, you know, naturally gravitate towards pretty people, pretty things, all of that stuff. And we've seen it, right? Like people with, shit for education, you know, absolutely no credible knowledge in the space whatsoever. It's the old adage of there's somebody that is way less talented than you, way less intelligent than you, making way more money than you just because they're willing to do X, Y, Z or because they'll go for it or whatever. Like that thing definitely applies. And so for me, it's kind of come to or like even within fitness coaching, you know, fat loss always sells. We know that we could as coaches, I guarantee, I don't know a single coach that would not be thrilled if a female client to them came to them saying, I would rather build muscle than lose fat. We would all be like, oh my God, you're the unicorn client. Like, where have you been all my life? Yes, that's way more fun for us, right? Like it's much more exciting, but people want fat loss. So what do we know? Fat loss sells. What do we know about that? People want to see transformations. Okay, what do we know about that? People like drama they like extremes they like seeing themselves in content all that stuff it's 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 human psychology so you have to be willing to decide what your end goal is what is what are hard yeses and hard noes for you in terms of your boundaries around what you will and won't do and where are the kind of soft and flexible boundaries where you can say okay <laughs> for me i could maybe show my ass a little more that okay we could yeah. we could bend there a little bit and that would be okay and i wouldn't feel that there would be a point at which it would feel inauthentic and not great and all of those things but there's also like there's a point at which it would still feel fine and so figuring out for you like where you're willing to play the game and where you're not and then you do at a point have to come to terms with okay if this is my stop point maybe that's going to be the kind of rate limiting factor for my growth unless I find another way. There are definitely people out there that have learned to do things exactly their way and built a lot of success around it. And I love that for those people. And also those people might sell more if they play the game a little more. You don't know. You don't know. But deciding 
when and when you will and won't play the game and how playing the game is i think like an intellectual battle too because mm -hmm. the game on that superficial level of for example like showing a little bit more butt cheek that's fine you can also play it on like the one meta level above that where you show a little bit little butt cheek, but you also make fun of yourself for showing a little butt cheek. Mm -hmm. You're like, I know I'm doing this, but you know, here we are. But that's the thing, right? Like I think a lot of people on social media, they take themselves so seriously that they can't even mm -hmm. acknowledge that what they're doing is a little silly. Yeah. But it is playing the game. And for myself, I found that like, if I can mix in just a little like self-deprecating humor with the things mm -hmm. that I know are kind of goofy about social media, it's like, makes it a lot easier for me to say, okay, fine. Yes, I'm doing all of these training videos without a shirt on. Do mm -hmm. I fuck no? I don't need to be. Am I to get more views to more, to get more interactions? Obviously, that's the only reason I'm doing this shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are clear reasons behind making certain decisions, but if you acknowledge them and just joke about it, I find like that makes it so much easier to make those decisions. It, it doesn't feel as sticky. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're actually having to to like make concessions or compromise on like your your own morals to do those things and for me it's not even a moral issue it's always been like a does this feel like i'm doing things just because everyone else is doing it am yeah. i am i doing this just because i want to get more views to get more likes to do this to the, to do that and i'm like man again the content the message is like why is that not just standing up on its own why does it have to right. be framed in this you know shirtless me just mm -hmm. to get more attention but if you play the game you understand that there are certain things that just collect eyeballs for no other reason right like if, mm -hmm. if i wanted to get a ton of views on a video i would not have me do it i would have one of my beautiful clients do that exercise demo mm -hmm. that would get a lot more views than me like no one wants to look at me <laughs> but again it's it's <laughs> under it's understanding exactly like what people want to typically see and another thing mm -hmm. too is people like freshness they like being yeah. surprised and one thing that I'm sure a lot of people probably are surprised with about you is your sense of humor. And like, like I mean, that's, I was surprised with it. Like I, I didn't expect you to be like as witty as you were or as you are. Yes. Um, yeah. We lost it all. Don't worry. It's all gone. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but I feel like that's like a secret weapon, right? So like mm -hmm. being, from being good with your words, writing, like being able to do those things that kind of naturally leads into like more of a witty sense of humor. Mm hmm. Uh, a good sense of humor is a fucking superpower. 100%. Whenever it comes to like building an audience from a distance on social media, mm -hmm. because that is like the easiest way to disarm people. Oh, yeah. It breaks the fourth wall. It because does. It, because it, it, does. It, it, it makes people, it helps people remember like, oh my God, wait, this person's a person too. Like, and we can, we can yeah. shoot this shit back and forth. And like, I think what's also really helped me, and I think even you do this to a degree too, is like, because I am also at the same time a very like in my word, like well-spoken, oftentimes I speak very intensely or very matter-of-factly or whatever, like just in a way that you wouldn't expect from somebody that is also then in like the next slide or the next story or whatever, going to go like crack a joke or like be goofy or be weird or whatever, or, like be witty. Like people don't expect people that are very intellectual to also be funny or or women that are very attractive to also be really intelligent or you know whatever the the kind of juxtaposition is when you can have juxtaposition in your personality in your content in your branding in your messaging it automatically draws people in like you're correct it's a superpower it's the strength 
Yeah. And before we go deeper down that rabbit hole, well, actually, we're just going to avoid that rabbit hole because that's <laughs> that's probably like way too deep for us to get into in this conversation. Um, but, you know, just for example, right, like like my stereotype of like tattooed meathead, tattooed like bodybuilder guy, like tons of muscles, like looks the same as everyone else. But then if you get to know me, it's like, actually, like that's not the the persona at all. Like that's not mm-hmm. the like if anything, I'm like contra that in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. like I'm not that at all. Um but I do agree with you like that juxtaposition with like creating contrast with your personality versus like your public persona versus your mm-hmm. pu- like your, your private persona. And then also like the way that you look, the way that you act, like the more of that contrast that you can create, the more that it keeps people off guard. And they're mm-hmm. like, I can expect from this person. But then it's mm-hmm. like intriguing. It's interesting. To yeah. Like, follow along with that. Um, I do want to shift into the 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 downside of of social media (laughs) and um and talk some a little bit some about your maybe not negative experiences with (laughs) with being in the position that you're in um i don't think anybody expects that it's all rainbows and sunshine whenever Mm -hmm. you have hundreds of thousands of people staring at you all the time and dissecting every decision that you make every post that you put up every word that you spit out um but at the same time, they probably don't understand like just how fucking vile and toxic it can be whenever you're mm-hmm. in the limelight. And you're not even in what I would consider to be like the true limelight, like the right limelight. Like you're in right. you're in the digital limelight, which is yep. kind of it's a, different. A, it's a it's a niche. Yeah. But maybe you wanna just talk a little bit about like how difficult it can be at times to be a real human being behind like the pu- the public facing digital persona yeah Whoa. that's like an entire podcast in yeah. and of itself uh i will never forget the day that i found out that there were hate pages about me so this was back in 2016 i had just gotten home from a trip like an influencer trip and there was a bunch of chatter happening on the internet that day And so I decided to Google my name. And this was back before Reddit was what it is for fitness. It still existed, but this was back like vintage era when it was, there were actual websites devoted to it. They were called like Guru Gossip, Get Off My Internet, like those places. And I I discovered on that day that I had my own entire section dedicated to me that at that point in time was probably at least like 30, 40, 50 pages long. And so I just start going through it. And the first thing that I remember seeing was, and this was definitely not the worst it ever got, but the first thing I remember seeing was someone was expressing that they no longer liked me or they were annoyed with me because I started buying my makeup from Sephora instead of the drugstore. And after that, someone goes, oh yeah, well, she's just a trust fund baby. When in reality, I have been working since before it's legal. My parents stopped paying for my shit, you know, when I was in high school, like all of that stuff. Like I paid for my own college. Like I did like my parents obviously were there to support me. You know, if shit hit the fan or things needed me, I still lived a very privileged childhood. But I was in no way what these people, you know, said me to be. Or, you know, another comment there, I had just recently gone through a breakup Uh somebody said that oh i bet you she cheated on him with my bodybuilding coach at the time and someone underneath that goes oh no 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 she couldn't have cheated on him she's too lean to have a sex drive so i was like oh 
it's not that because I have morals or because I'm a good person, but it's because, no, I, I wouldn't have done that thing because I'm just too lean to even have that thought, right? So I remember I went up in my fucking, because I actually still lived at my parents' house at the time because I was going to school back at home. But I remember going up in my closet, it was like 2 a.m. and just calling one of my friends crying. Like, I cannot believe this exists. I cannot believe like people think this or like, I had no idea this was a thing. And so that was, you know, I was 20 at the time, about to turn 21. That was kind of my first exposure to it. And it's interesting what it will do to your mind. Uh, it's done positive things. It's done negative things. But it's and obviously that stuff still exists to this day. There's, you know, still people that like, for example, when Chris and I started dating within 24 hours of me putting him on my Instagram story, there's a thread about it. Like, yeah. it's funny because I don't look at those things. I made a promise to myself in 2017 after I had gone down what ended up being my last rabbit hole of Googling myself when I was already in a really bad place mentally. I would only do it when I was in a bad place mentally because, of course, we just want to, you know, take it a little bit further. Um, but I made a let's, promise let's to myself. Let's punish that ourselves. Exactly. Like, it sounds like a good idea. Uh, but I promised myself I would never look at them again. But I find out about them because people tell me because they're like, oh, you know, do you know this exists? Like, they think I don't know. I'm like, yes, I, I am aware of this exists. Um, but even if I don't look at it, for one, people will still message me or they'll comment on posts or whatever. But two, once you see that that exists about you and that in my particular case, I am what is referred to as a Beck, which is a bitch eating crackers, which means anything that I do, I hate the way that bitch eats crackers. It's literally, they, and people have publicly said this, like, I can't win, right? Like anything that I do, bad. Hate it. We don't like it. So on the one hand, I'll go with the negative first because we love a little like positive ending. On the one hand, we can go back to the negative because I don't think it's talked about enough. But on the one hand, there is a constant, it's like software running in the background of my brain of, okay, if you say this, someone's going to have something to say about this, like, you know, positive, negative, whatever. If you post this, what's the response going to be? Or, you know, just this hyper awareness around what I share, who, who I am, all of that, and how that's going to be both perceived and received. On the other side, the positive of it, it has forced me to develop a much stronger filtration system for feedback. So that's positive feedback, negative feedback, whatever it is. It has to run through a much stronger filter because I know now, because I am the Beck, that I can be loved and hated for the exact same thing. Yeah. And so if somebody's giving me a really positive piece of feedback, you know, oh, you're so smart, you're so beautiful, you help me so much, whatever, or you're a narcissist, you're the worst thing that's ever happened on the internet, whatever it is, like, I have to ask myself, do I think that's true about me? Do I actually feel this way about me? Do I feel like I'm showing up in my integrity or, you know, that I am this nasty thing that somebody has said about me, blah, 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 blah. And I think this applies to the internet. This applies to people in your everyday life. We're only bothered by the things that people say that poke at something we already feel about ourselves. Because if I'm feeling really good about myself, if I'm feeling really confident, you know, if I'm feeling very secure in myself, somebody could say, something and i'd be like that's funny that's you know a good one whatever like that fun but if it's something that i'm already insecure about like one thing that somebody said once i have an i have a very asymmetrical face i mean we all do but mine is just very asymmetrical i have a my left eye droops a little bit i remember there was a day when somebody commented on uh this was now an instagram account for gossip that would share people shit 
but commented on something they had shared from me and was like, why does it look like half of her face is sliding off? And when that happened, I felt insecure about that at first because I was already insecure about the asymmetry in my face, right? Now I can kind of laugh at it. I'm like, yeah, I have facial asymmetry. Like we all do. Who gives a shit? But I don't think people realize, and, and it's definitely also different being in kind of the niche limelight, like you said, versus the big limelight, because for a lot of celebrities, their PR managers, they have teams managing their social accounts, whatever. For me, that's me. So for one, they have other people managing that shit, she, she, managing that shit, seeing that shit, whatever. They still probably see some of it. I think it's impossible to not, especially if you get it, you know, at like a volume of like a Kim Kardashian, you know, people hate you, this, that, the other thing. It's very different. And I don't think people will realize this when you are just in kind of this niche space. I I don't see every single message I get or every single comment I get, but I see the majority of them. And so I think people make the false assumption that, you know, when you have a following of this size or people also make the false assumption that, you know, oh, when you make X amount of money, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. And granted, is it easier to let things roll off when you're, you know, when you have Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, when you have a nice apartment, when you have nice things, all of that, sometimes. Mm -hmm. But no amount of money or followers or praise or whatever is going to remove your humanity and make you genuinely question. I I've asked this question a million times, both curiously and then also from like a sad place of what did I do to you? to deserve that you know what point in time what was it that i said what was it that i did etc cetera, etc cetera, that made you feel so strongly about a person that you have never had a conversation with and i think that's also something that people don't take into account when they're forming such strong opinions about someone on social media is i could post a hundred stories in a day i think that's the limit and you still would not have seen even an hour of my 24-hour day so it's like you think you know the person that you're following on social media. And even if they share a lot of themselves or their life or whatever, one, it doesn't remove their humanity. And two, there is still so much of that person's life that you're not seeing or that you're not registering or whatever. Or like we could take this even further of, you know, the classic, you don't know what somebody's struggling with. Like when Chris found his thread or whatever like some of like he was reading some of the comments on it and I just asked him I was like okay like what's one of the worst ones and it was talking about how you know Chris is very attractive and somebody made a comment about that and somebody made a comment about me essentially saying well yeah she's not ugly she's just psycho and I'm like "Ooh, I mean I've openly struggled with mental illness on the internet maybe I just don't share about that anymore kind of thing so it's it, it, people just don't realize yeah. what they're doing with what they're saying and that it it's meaningless when in reality it's not this might be a really weird question to ask but how do you actually feel about those people that care so much about you to post about your life your relationships your your social media on social media or on Reddit. Like, how do you actually feel about those people? Because in my mind, 
I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. And obviously there would be, you know, like this bitterness, this, this anger, like maybe even a little bit of like hatred towards these people. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I feel so bad for you. Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like genuine like sympathy for these people that there's nothing else in your life that gives you meaning other than trying to demean other people. Like mm-hmm. that seems like such a sad existence. And I I do think about it. I'm like, I want to be angry at that, at that type of person, but I almost mm-hmm. can't be because I'm yeah. like, there's, there's something else clearly mm-hmm. that is missing in their life that they're trying to fill that void with like being nasty to someone they've never met in their life or like presumably have never met. They have mm-hmm. to like hide behind anonymity to say these things. It's like, that is like, so just oh fuck like that that's that's like so many levels and it's it's like there's got to be something underlying someone who would act like that and my only like instinctual reaction is like sympathy Mm -hmm. yeah i've actually never been asked that question before that's a really good question like how do i actually feel about these people because there's definitely times when it hits me on a bad day and i hear about something and i get mad or i get sad or whatever but at the end of the day for one curiosity Mm -hmm. like i've always joked but not joked i'm like i want to see a documentary of the day in the life of what these people are doing of an internet like what (laughs) yes yes of like what does your like you wake up you drink your water, you drink your coffee, you take your dog outside, you do like the normal things that we do. You maybe go to a job. Like, so at what point in your day does this just kind of naturally fit in? Like, and like, so a lot of curiosity and kind of like you said, perplexed, like very perplexed by this. But I I do think there is like an inherent sadness. And I know that's a very cliche answer, but I'm also someone that is highly caring and highly empathetic towards humans and the human condition. And I know for me, even when I've been in my worst places with my mental health, when I've been severely clinically depressed, when I've been having panic attacks, when I have been questioning my place on this earth in various ways, like I have never once resorted to talking shit about a stranger on the internet. And so for me to put myself in that place, I, I don't know what what place I would have to be in in life. And this is not coming from any place of moral superiority. It's just genuinely. No, I mean, it, it honestly what, should be, though. Like, I mean, that's, you can say that. But like from my yeah. like, like there is a clear immorality associated with with doing that type of thing. I, yeah. And I'm not I'm definitely not trying to cut you off. I'm, I'm honestly trying to like I'm trying to think about how a person's brain like that works you know mm-hmm. like there is there's like the psychology of like madness of the crowds right where like mm-hmm. everyone else is doing it so you feel like you need to be doing it mm-hmm. and to a degree i feel like that is kind of true with the internet where there's there is the the cloak of people not immediately knowing who is behind a username mm-hmm. so they're almost being that freedom to say the things that you actually think and yeah. that can be really good. That can be a great thing, especially if you're someone who is like oppressed in whatever way, right? Like you you need to be able to say the things without being further oppressed. But at the same time, like it does open that portal into where we are with, with social media and where we are with like allowing people to say things without any consequences 
that directly affect or can directly affect people's well-being. You know, mm-hmm. like, or online you're saying like, oh, so and so should kill themselves. Like they're they're useless. Like they're like everyone hates them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you anonymous behind your username aren't being directly affected by that. But again, you see these things, you hear about them. Like you might one day Google your name and stumble across it. Your kid might one day mm-hmm. stumble across that on the internet. And like, like there is an immorality associated with that like there's it's a clear erosion of morals Mm -hmm. um my question is more so like where does that come from like right that's what what i want to know yeah like like, what what place are you in yeah Yeah. like what because i get really curious i'm a very curious person in general but i get very curious about processes like what got you from a to g like i genuinely would love to watch because also when you get on those things there's some kind of motivation, just like how when we open our phone and start like doom scrolling, like there is some kind of like train that leads us there. There's some kind of whether it's just habit, whether it's just something happened and you need to dissociate in X, Y, Z way, whatever. And that's your method. Like I genuinely want to see the process or know the process behind people's behavior. Uh, and I'm like, it's unfortunate that this behavior is now involves me. And now that's what I'm curious about is, oh, why do these people hate me so much? And what is their path to going and talking about this today? But it is like a genuine curiosity and sadness of just like, how did you get here? Like what happened? Not to like psychoanalyze or try to to do so with people that I clearly know nothing about and can relate very little to. But whenever I see that stuff, whenever I see like internet trolls, people that are dedicated to internet trolls. And again, like they're, they're anonymous or they're, they're pseudonymous. And mm-hmm. what I always come back to is like, clearly that person is lacking control in their life mm-hmm. and they're trying to exert control over the internet. And they're mm-hmm. trying to bring people down to their level or make other people who are seemingly in better positions than they are experience what it feels like to not be in control like they are in their life and that's what Mm -hmm. i always come back to like there there has to be something that that person is experiencing whether it's like in their relationship i would imagine a lot of times it's professionally like they're just Mm -hmm. they're very unsatisfied with their life in some way and their method of taking steam out is to go online and go on reddit or go on 4chan or go on twitter or whatever and just like troll people and make mm-hmm. fun of people, talk shit about people and gossip about people. And I can't relate to that because I'm a productive member of society. But yeah. you're like, I have shit to do. Like, I don't have time. That's another thing, too. I'm like, can we just think about the man hours that have gone into internet trolling? Mm-hmm. And then That's a lot of time. <laughs> add add that up and then shift that towards literally anything productive. <laughs> Literally <laughs> fucking anything productive. We like, could clean the oceans. We, we would be living on solve world hunger. Like everything would be, would be fixed. Living on fucking Neptune by now. <laughs> like having nuclear fusion powered spaceships. Like it would be fucking crazy if people just decided to wake up one day and not be nasty on the mm-hmm. internet. And instead we're like, you know what? I think I'm just going to actually create something cool today. I'm going to write mm-hmm. an article. I'm going to do my actual work. I'm going like, or maybe I'm going to decide to like step into the arena, into the limelight mm-hmm. and try it on for myself. See how that mm-hmm. feels, right? And like for me, dude, fuck, I prefer to be in the background. Yeah. Like I 
as much as I know that being in the limelight would be great for business, mm-hmm. I just can't envision being under a microscope all the time because like mm-hmm. that's just not me. I'm I'm I don't like that. And I would I don't think that I would like that. But I know you would hate it because you would just get curious about it all the time. You'd be like, what the fuck, man? Like, you just think about it all the time. Yeah, I could no, I, def- I definitely stuff. would. And and I also I think that's what what almost gives me empathy for people that have hundreds of thousands or millions of followers, especially if they've almost backed into that position mm-hmm. where they've become very popular almost by accident. Yeah. And then at that point, it's like they're just trying to maintain where they're mm-hmm. at. They're like, fuck, I'm not even wanting this. I don't want this. But they, by no decision or choice of their own, have a gigantic following. I feel a lot of empathy for that because I can almost relate to that feeling of like, how the fuck do I get out of this situation that I've created? Mm -hmm. Not everyone is like that, for sure. Not everyone will ever be like that. But I can also imagine people who are internet trolls being thrust into that limelight and absolutely fucking hating every minute of Mm -hmm. being in the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Sitting in front of the class without anything to say. Mm-hmm. And that is so many people's fear too. Public speaking, yeah. is like probably, I mean, maybe behind fear of heights, maybe the most popular fear. It's actually, it beats the fear of death. Does it really? Mm-hmm. People are more afraid of public speaking than the fear of death because psychology time. Our monkey brains, we perceive, obviously, if we say something stupid, if we say something that makes people laugh at us or make fun of us or makes us look dumb, then our monkey brains see that as we're going to be rejected. What do monkey brains take rejection as? We're going to be cast out from the tribe. What did that mean in prehistoric times? If we were cast out of the tribe, we were sentenced to death because humans could not survive by themselves. So people have such a deep fear of public speaking. And I think if we took that top of funnel and brought it down, being seen in our imperfection as the ultimate threat of death because that's what it meant prehistorically for us so yeah people fear public speaking more than death which is again interesting because people that actually put themselves in the position of public speaking or being the center of attention they're the ones that receive i mean rightly or wrongly but like the most criticism right but Mm -hmm. also the most baseless and the least sympathetic criticism as well where mm-hmm. it's the attacking type of criticism. It's not the constructive yeah. criticism, which most people in those positions probably want. They're like, hey, you know, you disagree with me with what I'm saying, with what I'm doing. Maybe propose a better solution. Tell me yeah. I should be doing better. Rather Give me than- feedback. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And Chris and I have actually had these conversations about um, problem identifiers, but not problem solvers. Mm-hmm. Like there's the so internet many- as a whole. There's so many people that are that love to point out problems, love to point out all of the ways the world is is burning right now. It's like as soon as you go, hey, well, what would you do differently? They're like, well, that's not my job. That's their job. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. Fucking idiot. But like, again, it's you can only point out problems or flaws in someone or things that you dislike about what someone's saying or their persona or what they're doing so many times before it's like, yeah, no shit. We've all discussed this. I know it. Mm-hmm. She knows it. Like, give constructive criticism. Give feedback. Let her right. know the things that, like, she can actually improve and the ways that she can improve them. Rather than mm-hmm. just saying, oh, fuck, like, Em is such a narcissist. Like, she, mm-hmm. she's so psycho. She posts, like, this meaningless content all the time. Look at her. It's like, well, what would you do differently in her position to mm-hmm. accomplish the goals that she's trying to accomplish? Like, 
Mm-hmm. It, it, again, it's one of those things where I don't know the answers to a lot of these things. So I just shut the fuck up. <laughs> More people should adopt this mindset. If you don't have an answer, if you can't contribute to the conversation, don't start the conversation. Because otherwise, you're just lobbing this conversational explosive into the air. And you're like, no, this is not my job. Sorry, I'm out. You guys handle this. And then it's like nothing, nothing productive happens. Like nothing productive. Like if and I I genuinely believe if we bring it back to like the troll situation, whatever. I have always been somebody that is very open to feedback. I have constructive conversations in my DMs every single day and people are surprised They're like oh my gosh you actually respond and i'm like yes i'm a person like i'm actually here because i like connecting with people and also if there's something that i'm doing that is genuinely hurtful or offensive to you like i would like to know so i can rectify that i'm good at taking feedback i love feedback or if there's a way my content can better serve you or be more valuable or be more helpful fantastic let me know yeah none of the people on reddit or on any of those other places have ever once attempted to give me feedback like and so i'm just like like i get upset about it sometimes but at the end of the day i'm like you're not actually here trying to help me you're not doing anything to try and improve what i'm doing you're just here talking and this is another cliche but i've found this to be very true and it's funny i've had this proven back to me because i've actually had people that have talked poorly about me on the internet before or disliked me for whatever reason come back and message me years later and be like, I didn't like you for this specific reason. And then I realized I did some inner work. Like that was just my own projection. Like one of the the things that I, I received once was somebody back when I was sick and when I was just going through a really hard time in life, like I still showed up on the internet, like in, in, my, re- in my reality, essentially. And years later, this person messaged me and was like, I didn't like you when you were sick. And I was mad at you and I was mad about it because you didn't hate yourself. And I was like, wow. That's some deep shit. Like, yeah. And I'm like, good for you for realizing that. And like, thank you for sharing that with me. Like, kind of sucks to hear, but like, also thanks. Like, it's nice when people like come back like that. But like the old cliche is we love in others what we love in ourselves and we hate in others what we hate in ourselves. So if somebody is going to, and this applies to anyone, whether it's on the internet, whether it's in your real life, and you know, this is not always true. I think sometimes people are just genuinely shitty and who knows, maybe I am genuinely shitty. That's like a real possibility. We don't know. I think I'm doing subjectively okay. But if you hate something so strongly in someone, that is a mirror that you got to look into because that means that it's probably something in some way that you dislike about yourself. You know, if you dislike that I am confident in myself, you probably dislike how insecure you are. If you dislike that I appear to make X amount of money, you may feel insecure about your financial position. Whatever the thing is, and this is a practice that because of the internet, I've actually tried to adopt more in my life. I'm like, when I don't like somebody, when I am bothered by something that they do or something that they say, what does that say about me? And it's been a really, just the entire experience of being on the internet has been a giant personal development project in every single way. Uh, But yeah, trolls will teach you a lot about yourself, but not in the ways that they think they do. I'm going to pose this question to you because I I genuinely don't know (laughs) it. There is is a a limit to the amount of, of people that a single village can can 
sustain. It's like a population mm-hmm. limit. Um, but that, and there's a word for it. There's a name for it. It's named after like whatever, you know, scientists discovered it. Um, but essentially like that is the limit to the amount of friends that one person mm-hmm. can have. And we can only have so many acquaintances, so many people that mm-hmm. we know, so many people that we remember on like a day-to-day basis, but we can also only have so many people that we're close friends with intimately. Mm-hmm. And social media has greatly expanded that natural barrier to the mm-hmm. point where, you know, if you have 200, 300,000 followers, a million followers, you know, there is an expectation to have somewhat of a of an acquaintanceship with a good amount of those people whether it's digitally or whether it's in person, whether it's at meetups or whatever, mm-hmm. it's not natural. And I think that's the thing. You know, like mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of going back to just like evolutionarily, the monkey brain. What is the monkey brain used to? The monkey brain is used to small villages. We're used to like mm-hmm. tightly packed clans, tribes that, that we get to know and trust very intimately. But everyone outside of that is like stranger danger, right? Mm-hmm. But we're almost like we're forced to see and forced to get to know people that otherwise we would not be getting to see or getting to know. And that's almost like stretching our ability to manage that and manage our emotions surrounding people that are like just beyond arm's reach, but we still know them or we know enough about them to to form an opinion about them. Mm-hmm. It's it's I think it's created like unnatural relationships. And those unnatural relationships, especially online, have created really strange results with how people see other people (laughs) and how they interact with other people and the decisions that they make. And I mean, obviously we see this a lot and we were just talking about it, but in some ways it's like, it's almost this like evolutionary boundary that you're, you're trying to climb up and hurdle, but it wasn't meant to be climbed and hurdled, right? Like we weren't meant Mm -hmm. to be this close, this surrounded by hundreds and thousands of people like it just wasn't meant to be like that so obviously at a certain point like you're going to start to be fucking confused whenever you're bombarded with all of these influencers trying to like tell you all these things and trying to show you all the shit that they're doing and trying to sell you all this stuff yeah eventually like your brain is just going to like fucking short circuit and you're going to start thinking strange things about people that you've never met before in your life and i mean at the end of the day i, I do think that it can kind of come back to there are always going to be people that you see online that you dislike for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I see people online all the time. I'm like, I fucking hate that person. If I think about it for two seconds, like, <laughs> why do I hate that person? Like, why yeah. do I have this negative feeling about them? But going back to like the problem identifier versus problem solver, like, there's no point in identifying why you hate or dislike someone for no reason, unless you're going to actually be able to take a step back and be like, wait, why do I actually dislike this person? Why do I have this negative feeling about this person? Mm -hmm. Like what you said, sometimes it's as simple as like, they're projecting something that I dislike about myself. Like they are like this mirror image of me. It's like, holy fuck, like that's that's really deep. Maybe I need to go figure my own shit out, right? Or maybe it's Mm -hmm. something that they've done in the past that you heard about like through random channels. Maybe it's not even true, right? And Again, it's just if you take a step back and just really like analyze why you have these negative feelings or positive feelings for people that you've never actually met or never had a real relationship or a real conversation with, you've never allowed them to make their case to you. Like, just take a breath for two seconds, bro. Like, take a breather. Like, take a step away from the the computer. Go outside, touch some grass. 
Like it'll touch some grass. It's good for you. It's good. Yes. For you, you know. Well, and also ask why are these people living rent free in my brain? Like, and I even have to ask myself this with like if I'm ruminating on like the internet troll thing too long sometimes because we do let our thoughts kind of go off on a runaway train in any direction, whether it's about people, whether it's about the state of the world, whether it's about outer fucking space, whether it's about how we got here, whatever it is, like our thoughts run away from us all the time. But if your thoughts are consistently consumed rent-free by other people, particularly people that you have never met and probably will never meet, I think that's a really strong indicator that you're probably trying to deflect from thinking about you. You're trying to get away from thinking about, hey, what am I feeling right now? What am I experiencing? What am I going through? What do I need to work on? You know, what's actually happening in my immediate sphere? And am I okay with just continuing to push that away and push that away and push that away? And the, at the end of the day, all of that will come back to you. Like all the work that we put off doing on ourselves, whether it's financially, whether it's relationally, whether it's interpersonally, intrapersonally, whatever it is, like it will just get bigger and bigger and bigger until we can't ignore it anymore. So like, it's my sound me pleading my case for no longer talking shit about people on the internet, which I think would be a productive move for society. But it's actually me making more of a case for like, hey, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing? And why are you trying to distract yourself from that so much? And also to your point about just the volume of people that we find ourselves connected with on a day-to-day -day basis, People very quickly forget. And if somebody crosses an internet boundary, I'm, I, I lovingly remind them often or as needed. The relationships that we have on social media with people that we're following or that are following us, people that we don't actually know on a personal level, we've never had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, whatever, they're parasocial relationships. So we've now, because of the advent of social media, created a whole different kind and section and sect of relation. Parasocial relationships. They are not actually real relationships in the sense that we know each other depthfully. And so something that I've come to understand about myself is I have an ever-growing and sometimes seemingly almost infinite capacity for connection. I love connecting with people, even as an introverted person, love to connect. I have a very finite capacity for intimacy. And I think people confuse those things they confuse connection with intimacy. And I think part of that is because we are so starved for intimate connection in our day-to-day -day lives that we then project that onto people that we don't know from Adam because it's 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 resemblant of it, but it's not actually it. So asking ourselves, where do I have also a need for greater intimacy in my life, whether that's with myself, whether that's with my friends, whether that's with my family, and how can I get my social fulfillment there and then as a result, I think, you know, maybe some people would listen to this and be like, well, wouldn't that be the death of social media and influencer culture and all of those things? I think not. I think it would actually make for healthier social media relationships and connection and consumers and creators at the end of the day. That is a really, really great point to end on. I have nothing else to add to that. You <laughs> summed up my thoughts really, really well, honestly. Um, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, just like know your fucking place. Mm hmm place like know where you are in the hierarchy of acquaintanceships versus friendships versus paras parasocial i almost said parasitic parasocial <laughs> i mean we can kind of say parasitic too but Thanks. no and i really appreciate your time uh before we dip out do you want to like let people know where they can find more about you and listen to your voice more 
Absolutely. If you want to hear more of these dulcet tones, uh, I have my own podcast. <laughs> it's called Embody Radio. If you want to find me on the internet, you can mostly find me on Instagram. It's mdunk, so M underscore dunk, E-M underscore D-U-N-C. You can also check out my coaching company if you would like. It is Phoenix Athletica, F-E-N-I-X-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-A. That is really hard to spell when you don't have it written down in front of you, but I have done it several times now. Um, but that is where you can find me. Thank you so much, Bryce, for coming on. And also, Go touch some grass, like Bryce said. If you're, <laughs> no, if you're spending, too, if your screen time notifications are going up week to week, go touch some grass. I think okay, we can all grass right that. now. Actually, all right, and thank you so much. Thanks, Bryce.